Welcome back all to the Broadway Bulletin from Stage Whisper. We have an exciting episode absolutely bursting with pride, so let's get right into it. This week on Broadway, Here Lies Love began previews on June 17th at the Broadway Theater. Very excited about this new show with its fantastic, innovative new layout within the theater, as well as great music and stories. So we're excited to bring that to you later in July. Summer 1976 finished its run on June 18th at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater. So a happy trail to all the company involved with that. This day in Broadway history... We have Felicia Rashad's birthday. Happy birthday, Felicia Rashad. Also on this day in Broadway history, the best little whorehouse in Texas opened back in 1978. So that's one of the longest running shows in Broadway history. Right. Also in 2014, we had Holler If You Hear Me, the... Tupac Shakur. Inspired musical. musical. Yeah. Yeah. So... That was a very short-lived show, but I think it just it was ahead of its time. Moving on to some theater community news, Lynn Nonage was honored by New York Women's Foundation, and what a wonderful person to honor. Lynn Nonage is just amazing. Definitely, definitely. Some cast members of Some Like It Hot met with the White House press secretary. The group consisted of Jay Harrison G., Adriana Hicks, Natasha Yvette Williams, and Kevin DeAguila. The group discussed visibility and representation for trans and non-binary people as part of the Biden administration's celebration of Pride Month. Now, it is fun to know that this was actually planned before the Tony wins, so it just happened to be a nice little celebratory moment. Yeah, yeah. Just saying, the theater, we're, we're going to embrace everyone and everyone and lift everyone up. Well, and I love that the White House is, you know... Taking people from a well-known community and helping to elevate their voices to be able to have national conversations about representation. It's nice to see the White House reflecting all voices, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Heading over to the UK for a little bit of news, the world premiere of Trevor Nunn's directed show, The Third Man, the Musical, opened on June 19th. Broadway celebrated Juneteenth with a concert. Spoken word performances and dance in Duffy Square included performances by Lorna Courtney, Crystal Lucas Perry, Richard Yoder, and was hosted by Michael James Scott. And you can see clips of this Juneteenth celebration by heading to Playbill.com. It was a wonderful celebration, and I wish we could have been there in person. It just it looked amazing. Hey, heading back over to London. I guess I'm the one covering all the London news. (laughs) But A Strange Loop began its London premiere on June 17th. How exciting is it that, you know, A Strange Loop just closed this year and now it's opening in London. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. A little bit closer to home, Diksha Gaur has been named the new executive director of the Theatre Development Fund. And that's very exciting. We love TDF. They do a lot of great good in helping secure not only affordable tickets for many people to see, but they also do things like the giant costume props and set collection that theater companies and shows can rent for an affordable rate. So TDF does just so many good things beyond what I just said. 
definitely look into them. But we're so excited that they are now the new executive director. Thank the person that they are succeeding. And we look forward to seeing what TDF does in the future. Annette Benning succeeds Brian Stokes Mitchell as chair of the Board of Entertainment Community Fund. On some sad news, Tony Award winner Glenda Jackson passed away last week at the age of 87. And that was incredibly sad to hear. She was a triumphant and powerhouse performer. I am so glad we got to see her perform. Um, we got to see her on stage with Lori Metcalf in Three Tall Women. And she was. She was a force on stage, even at her later age. Uh, and after that, she went on to go take on the enormous role of King Lear on Broadway that following spring. She was just a force. So we are so sorry to learn her, of her passing, and we send all of our love and comfort to her family and friends. Now for some show chatter... Sierra Bajist will star in Harmony when it comes to the Barrymore Theater in October. We're now getting a better idea of what that cast is going to look like. So we've got Julie Benko, and now we've got uh, Sierra, Sierra Bajist. Maybe Barry Manilow. No, I'm just kidding. He just wrote the music. <laughs> well, this leads us to some show chat, like to talk about some shows we've seen. We've seen, we saw, I Speak Good English. I have a college degree. Listen, we don't judge anyone based on the way that they speak. But listen, so it was a lighter week uh, this last week. I was playing a lot of catch-up for our show, setting us up for a big, big end of the month with June. A lot of Pride events coming down the pipeline and an enormous July in store, as well as our big announcement regarding the UK, which is coming next week. So I only got to see shows on Friday and Saturday. I gotta tell you, they did not disappoint. In fact, anybody who's been paying attention to our Instagram would have saw what happened. So Saturday, I had the incredible joy of seeing two shows that are part of Brits Off-Broadway. And I believe this is the last chunk of shows that they have at Brits Off-Broadway. At 5090-59, they have Foxes, Invisible, and Casting in the Lights. And I saw Invisible and Casting in the Lights Saturday, because I'd seen Foxes last week. And I announced that for the first time, we had three shows playing at the same place at the same time that were Stage Whisper picks. I mean, these are must-see, like critics' picks, whatever you want to call it, have to go see them. And to make it even better, right now, We've got at least two of those shows coming to speak to us for our Whisper in the Wings segment, which is exciting. But what's incredible is that all three of these shows deal with fantastic, timely, and important issues. Like three separate issues. One is dealing with coming into one's sexuality and the way families, particularly Christian families, deal with that. One is dealing with ethnic representation, particularly in the arts, and one is dealing with family, particularly in foster care, and the bonds that, that bind them, okay? Brilliantly written, brilliantly performed. I mean, it is, I'm out of, I'm out of loss for words. They're just so good. And I was so moved by them. So Saturday was just an absolute treat for me. Invisible and Casting Lights were both about an hour 
uh, or as Casting the Light says, 75 minutes, uh, about 75 minutes and change. Um, and just the way that they all of these shows were telling the stories was also fantastic. It wasn't your, we're just going to get up there and tell the story. The, the way that this shows, the story was broken up was absolutely amazing. The use of multimedia was incredible. I mean, these artists were absolutely brilliant. And all of these shows were until July 2nd. So if you get the chance, you need to head over to 5090-59. You need to see these shows. I'm so fortunate that we got to see them. And I can't wait to share these more in depth with you when we have them on for Whisper in the Wings. So stay tuned for Foxes, Invisible, and Cassie in the Lights soon. But if not, go to 5090-59 theaters or 59e59.org. Get your tickets and go check them out. Which I guess leads us as we wrap up this portion of the Broadway Bulletin. We gotta hit, you know, the usual. Hey, have you signed up for the Patreon? Right. Definitely head on over to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. You can leave us a tip in our tip jar, which would be really awesome. You can sign up to get your backstage pass. These are about to be revamped in July. Which would also be really awesome. We need your support. Your support means everything, and it helps us continue to do this incredible show and support artists here in New York and around the world. And it just makes you a really cool person, too. So thank you to all of our patrons out there. You can also just send us a one-time donation through Venmo by searching for at Stage Whisper Pod. Or if you visit our link tree that ha- you can find on our Instagram handle, you can find easy-to-find links for all of those and more. And we hope you're getting excited about merchandise because... Hope has got some pretty cool merchandise design that should be getting unveiled in the next week or two. And it's, I mean, I can't wait to get the shirt. I'll just say that much. (laughs) It's pretty cool. And if you've got some ideas for merch, hey, send them our way. StageWhisperPod at gmail.com. So now we're going to get to the epic pride part of our episode today. And it is June. It's Pride Month. We are celebrating our LGBTQI plus family and friends and community and just oh we love you we acknowledge we see you you matter and we are so honored to have this next guest on now we've had this show on previously we had dallas diaz who is the who was the performer in this show and and they spoke to us last year about this but now we have the playwright of the show stormy And this is a fascinating play because, first of all, my ignorance thought Martha P. Johnson was the person that started the Stonewall um, Rebellion. Right. And I've been corrected. It's not a riot. It was a rebellion. And it it wasn't actually. It was this, 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 this drag queen performer, Stormy, who threw the first punch at the Stonewall rebellion but i do have a note from the playwright that i want to share with everyone as we head into pride weekend here in new york and as we've been celebrating the month of june because i think it's very important to remember while we are celebrating what also pride month stands for so carolyn has asked me to 
reiterate this statement that she sent to me, and I think we here at Stage Whisper also stand behind it, and it's that the Pride Parade is really rooted as a protest march for LGBTQI plus rights commemorating the anniversary of the Stonewall Rebellion against oppression, discriminatory practices, and police brutality. While we take pride in accepting who we are, we continue to fight even today against discriminatory practices and to have the same rights afforded other American citizens. And I just think that's such a well put statement there. As we celebrate, we celebrate love, we celebrate the uniqueness that we all have, we celebrate just the beauty. Family and community. Just how beautiful every individual is. Please remember how hard people have fought and worked to ensure this, to guarantee this, and how much further we still have to go. Right, especially in a world where our our trans family is actively at risk and being attacked. And, to and, our, our, and our non-binary family. And to our transgender family out there. And we our non-binary see you, family. We see you, we love you, and we are with you. And to all of our LGBTQI plus family out there, we love you and we are with you and we will always be with you. And we want you to enjoy not only June, but every month and every day of the year. Be proud of who you are, love who you are, because we certainly are and we certainly do. And we are just, this is just one of my favorite times of year because I just feel like the love is amped up all that much more. And I wish every day, every month was like the month of June. It just feels like everyone is just that much more nice, more open, more, you know what I mean? And I just wish that it carried on past June 30th. It doesn't have to end on June 30th, you know? In fact, the Stonewall Rebellion didn't end on June 30th. It went into July. So... Anyway, that's a soapbox for another time. <laughs> but we hope you all have a wonderful Pride. We are looking forward to sharing where we're going to be with all these events. We've got some great guests who are going to be attending their shows in celebration of Pride, so stay tuned for that. But right now, we are bringing you our Whisper in the Wings conversation with the fabulous playwright, Carolyn M. Brown, who is the playwright of Stormy. So please enjoy this episode of Whisper in the Wings. Welcome into Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We're so happy to have you in. And we are so excited about our guest today. We have the playwright, Carolyn M. Brown, whose show, Stormy, might sound familiar to you as we had the performer, Dallas Diaz, on earlier last year to talk about it. But now we have Carolyn M. Brown, the playwright, to talk to us more about this amazing show, Stormy, which tells the true story about Stormy, who was one of the first people to start the Stonewall Riots. With that, let's bring on our guest playwright, Carolyn M. Brown. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. So happy to have you here. 
Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I have done a terrible job explaining <laughs> this great historical figure and what your play is about, but I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here, especially during Pride Month. And we're talking about this wonderful person, their legacy, and what your show is doing to help amplify it. Could you start by telling us a little bit about what your show, Stormy, is about? Sure. So, you know, as you mentioned, it's based on the life of Storm de la Rie, who is regarded as an icon of the Stonewall Rebellion because um, she's revered for having thrown the first punch, you know, during the police raid on the Stonewall Inn. And the play explores her life and legacy, not only as a, you know, trailblazing activist, but also as a big band singer. During the 40s, she was a male impersonator at the Jewel Box Review, which was a racially integrated drag show during the 50s and the 60s. You know, I tell a lot of people now, think of, you know, RuPaul, you know, drag show, you know, of its time back then. That's how big it was because they were at like the Copacabana, you know, at the Apollo Theater. So big venues. So she was the only male impersonator among 25 female impersonators with the Jewel Box Review. And the show not only talks about her life with the Jewel Box Review, but also she was someone who was with the same woman, her partner of over 25 years. So it's also, you know, a love story as well. But it really talks about her legacy being part of the Stonewall Rebellion. A lot of times when there's historical accounts of the Stonewall Rebellion, and, you know, I preface it saying rebellion because people say riots, but we don't say riots because it wasn't a riot. And that's and that's part of also Stormy's, you know, classic line that it wasn't no damn riot. It was a rebellion. But, you know, historical accounts, they don't always depict somebody like Stormy, who was a butch presenting, you know, biracial lesbian or, you know, Marsha P. Johnson or Silver Revealia, you know, trans women of color who were there, who were fighting, you know, that night. And, and, and well, those nights, because that's the other thing that I want people to remember. It wasn't just one night. It, you know, it kicked off on June 28th, but it went way into like July, <laughs> July 3rd in terms of, you know. So we're talking about several days of rebellion and protest. Yes. I And, and all of that, I'm so glad that you mentioned all of that. Important things to remember, especially now, not just because it's pride, but just now in this moment in history. So where did you come up with the idea to write this show? Uh, well, you know, it really started in 2019, which was the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Rebellion. And I was uh, approached by an artist, Rachel Wilkins, and she was doing this exhibit called The Shoulders of Giants. So it's a 30-piece like multimedia body of work that was paying homage to advocates and change makers and, you know, unsung heroes of LGBT community, you know, people who fought for social and political progress. And she was she was looking for someone to actually write an essay thanking Stormy. And, you know, she couldn't find anyone. And, you know, because a lot of people even, didn't even know who Stormy was. And being a journalist, I said, well, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do a, a, a essay, a photo essay. And then during just my research and, and learning so, so much more about Stormy, I just really became fascinated with her life. And then from that you know, photo essay that accompanied a, mur a mural. So Rachel actually did this mural, like multimedia mural, a story. So, you know, I wrote an essay for that. And then out of that, I just started doing more and more research and saying, hey, I really want to turn this into a play, you know, and a play with music because since Stormy was an entertainer, you know, big band singer and a mural, you know, a male impersonator, I said, well, well I want to also incorporate music. And, you know, because I love music also. So, you know, it just seemed natural to, to make that part of the play. That's amazing. Now, I believe I'm going to be wrong on this part, but I think I know of at least two productions so far of the show. There was the one last year 
at the Wild Cafe Theater, which is there a collective, is. yeah, collective of, of women and transgender and non-gender conforming individuals. Yes, there's that one. And then didn't you just have a recent production of it as well? Um, right. So had a stage reading that was part of the New Jersey Theater Alliance um, Stages Festival that was in Jersey City at the Art House Production. So that just happened this May. Yeah, because we're in June now. Yep. So that just happened this past May. That is amazing. So you've had basically two kind of productions of the show. What has it been like developing the show, getting it on its feet and, and kind of seeing the show grow between the two? Yeah, well, you know, this has definitely been a labor of love from, from day one. And as I said to you, you know, I, I really wanted to depict details about the Stonewall Rebellion that a lot of people may not know about. And also just people of color and what life was like during the 50s and 60s. So, you know, it, it's been a lot about trying to find that right balance between historical accounts and then to, um, telling a compelling story. So that's, so that's been like a big part of it, you know, just finding that balance between, a, you know, telling a, a compelling story and a, depicting history, which I feel is more important now than ever, because, you know, I always say those who, you know, fail to remember history, you know, that classic quote, you know, are, are prone to repeat it. Yeah. And, you know, the, that life that we were seeing during then, that story was growing up in with the whole three piece rule is what they call then where, you know, you could be arrested on the street if you didn't wear three pieces of appropriate clothing that was, you know, considered, you know, gender appropriate. So if you were a woman and you're wearing, you know, a man's suit and his shoes and, you know, a hat, then you were arrested, you know, vice versa. If you were a man and you were wearing, you know, a dress or anything, you know, because, you know, they were called cross dresses back then. We didn't have transgender in terms of the terminology back then. So it was really, like I said, wanting to develop a, a show where, you know, it was great storytelling, but at the same time, really, you know, depicted history in a way that that needed to be. Yes. So kind of going with that, what is the message or thought you're hoping the audience takes away from Stormy? You know, I think everyone will walk away with something different, you know, based on their experience and their own sort of historical knowledge. But I do hope that everyone does sort of have at least like that one aha moment where it's like, hmm, well, that's something I never heard heard about before or, or hmm, you know, maybe I may think differently now about something because it was presented here. Maybe I never thought about it that way because, you know, I really don't want, you know, I'm not really, you know, trying to indoctrinate anybody, you know, that's not my agenda. I don't have, have a hidden agenda, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, like I said, I want, I just want to tell, you know, tell a story and I just want people to be, you know, moved by it. And then, like I said, maybe if they feel a little differently, you know, or, or, if, or, or if people become a little more compassionate after seeing my play, I would be like, great, that is so wonderful, because that's what I feel like. We just need a little bit more love and compassion in the world and understanding and to be less judgmental, you know. But again, like I said, I think everybody's going to, you know, walk away with something based on their own personal experience and historical knowledge. And, you know, I just want people to, you know, and then spread the word. I mean, you know. Just tell other people about it. Yeah, if you can, do, if they do that, then that's great. And I've accomplished my job. If, if they, you know, one person, they tell one friend and tell another friend and so on and so on. Yes, <laughs> yes. And you've set me up perfectly for my final question of this first half, which is who do you hope have access to the show? You know, I really would love for, for young people. You know, one, I want to say, you know, underserved and marginalized communities, but also young people, you know, Gen Z and millennials. You know, I really want them to see the show because I want them to know their history and I want them to know how important it is not to take our liberties in this country for granted because there are arbitrary laws that are being passed under the guise of protecting people, protecting children. 
and they're being used more so for the purpose of constraining and censoring people. So I just really want people, like I said, young people to see this, to understand and know their history. And like I said, not to take for granted, you know, the liberties that, you know, we currently have in this country. Well, I want to switch things up now and give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better. And I want to start by asking what playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past or are some of your favorites? You know, that's such a tough question because I am such a child of um, Broadway theater. You know, I grew up loving Broadway and, you know, Liza Minnelli and Judy Garland and Barbara Streisand. And, you know, I give, you know, props to my parents for you because my parents were, uh, were much older, you know, older than me. So, but one of my favorite musicals is, is Fiddler on the Roof. My favorite play is A Raisin in the Sun. My favorite playwright is Tennessee Williams. And then my favorite composers are, are George and Ira Gershwin. And then nobody sings, um, nobody sings the Gershwin songbook like Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> oh, yes, ma'am. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And and one of the reasons, you know, I, I love Fiddler on the Roof. And, I've, and it's one of those musicals where I could see time and time again. I remember it as a child and, you know, seeing it, you know, later in life. And I, I, I love it you know, the same each time. And and it was one of those things because it was, it was opposite of me in terms of, you know, cultural, you know, because, you know, I'm black woman, you know, parents are from the South, from Alabama, you know, Southern Baptist, you know, went to Catholic school. So to see a musical talking about, you know, Jewish life and, you know, during that particular time period and just the family. And I mean, it just, I just love that story. And even the song where they talk about tradition, like everything that, that happened on that stage, it just really moved me, and you know, it's still even to me with to this day. I don't know, it's just something about that musical and learning about someone else's culture and history and traditions. It just, it really just moved me and stuck with me. And then with Tennessee Williams, I don't know, maybe, maybe back then, maybe it was something I didn't realize at the time. He was, you know, queer. You know, he was gay. Then later on, when I found out, I was like, hooray! You know, um, you know. But- um, you know, so yeah, I just love in terms of the characters, just, I love, you know, complex characters and, you know, A Cat on a Hot Tin Roof was always one of my, my favorite, you know, plays, you know, and I think obviously because it dealt with some of those themes in terms of, and then when I saw the movie, probably because at back then, which I probably didn't realize I had a crush on Elizabeth Taylor. So that probably was another reason, maybe subliminal. It was like, Ooh, Elizabeth Taylor, ooh, like she's, Maggie's hot, you know, so. <laughs> and then A Raisin in the Sun, uh, again, because it, you know, just Lorraine Hansberry and what she did with telling that story in terms of the characters of family, like so much was was talked about and dealt with through dialogue. And that's what I've always loved about theater and plays that storytelling through dialogue has always fascinated me, like how much you can convey. And the fact that she was able to deal with not only just a family struggle, but talk about, you know, racism and discrimination within that play. That was the other thing that just always fascinated me about it. So. I know that was a long, a long answer to your question. <laughs> no, that was brilliant. I love that. That was a wonderful answer. I know that Stormy's been keeping you busy, but have you seen any great theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Well, you know what? I, I had the pleasure of seeing A Strange Loop by Michael, you know, Michael R. Jackson. Sadly, it's no longer, you know, on Broadway. But I'm coming soon to the West End. 
Okay. All right. Great. Yeah. But I'm, I'm really glad I got a chance to see that. And I really love, you know, the fact that, uh, of how queer it was, you know, uh, just, you know, in terms of a black queer story and how much that was presented on the stage that resonated with me and that I could relate to. And I was like, wow, this is great that this actually made it to Broadway. Like, this is like wonderful. But on my to-do list, I, I'm definitely planning to see Six this summer because I, as a teenager, I was always fascinated by the wives of Henry VIII. So I'm like, you know, dying and also knowing that, you know, members of the community were behind that, you know, the LGBT community. So, so that's definitely on my to-do list for the summer is to see six. Well, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? You know, I mean, it, it really is a, a labor of love and I guess personal familiar, for uh, fulfillment, you know, because definitely the production side, you know, that's, I mean, that'll cause you to pull your hair out, you know. <laughs> But, you know, you know, and you have sleepless nights in terms of, you know, worrying about every little thing. But I've always have been fascinated by actors who can memorize, you know, so many lives and transform themselves into so many different people, you know, night after night. Because you're always, you know, as, as a you know, playwright or as a producer, you know, you always worry, you know, are they going to get off book? Are they going to get off book? And then when you just see people on the stage and you see that transformation, you know, and you see how the, the words from, you know, on the, the paper and it's translating on stage and it's like, wow, and it just comes to life. And I think there's just no greater feeling, you know, as a playwright or a producer to see that, you know, evolve to see, you know, from the paper, from the words on the paper to the, you know, actual actors on the stage, you know, sort of speaking and living, living your truth as it was written. I love that. It's amazing. And what a great lead into my favorite question, which is what is your favorite theater memory? You know what? It's, it's growing up and attending Broadway shows as a student, as part of class trips. And I don't know if they still do that now, but that was really how I was exposed to a lot of theater, seeing Broadway shows was class trips. And I remember specifically in high school, you know, theater drama class, we went to see Your Arms Are Too Short, The Box With God with Patti LaBelle. And there's, a one, there's this one moment where she's in the, you know, the musical and she's like, come on down. And we all came out of the stands and we went down towards the stage and we were clapping and singing. And then the ushers like, were like, no, you're not, you can't do that. And we're like, well, she said, come on down. And, we were like, and our teacher was like, no, we can't, you can't do that. And I was like, look, so, 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 it was, but you know, it was kind of fun because we were like, we didn't know any better, but you know, we were like into it. And, you know, we were like, well, you know, we, she said, come on down. So, you know, we, we thought this was like, you know, like, kind of like, uh, call him, you know, call him, you know, she called this and we, so, so was that. And then, and I have just like a lot of fond memories of seeing Vanette Carroll shows with family and friends, you know, don't bother me. I can't cope. And when hell freezes over, that's when I skate, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah. So those are my fond memories, like seeing Broadway shows as a, as a, a young person. I love that. What wonderful <laughs> memories. Thank you so much for sharing those. Well, are there any other productions or projects that you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug? Any any productions of Stormy coming up? Well, right. Well, we're, well, definitely going to do another stage reading of Stormy this September. So, you know, don't have a date yet, but definitely going to do that. And then for Pride, we're, we will be at the Cubby Hole on the 28th, you know, with the, the anniversary of the first day of the Stonewall Rebellion. Because like I said, it was, you know, very several days. So we're going to be having a, a special drink called the Punch that we want to, you know, 
try to share with folks. And then there are going to be some raffles and some giveaways in terms of storm, you know, t-shirts and things of that mugs and things of that nature. And also just giving a shout out to some like LGBT businesses, you know, products. So, you know, so, you know, come on down, you know, join me for a drink. <laughs> you want to, June 28th at, at the Cubby Hole. Amazing. And just real quick, what time on the 28th? So around seven-ish. So, you know, so around seven. Yeah. Perfect. Finally, if our listeners want more information about Stormy or about you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? Sure. So the best way would be the website, stormtheplay.com. Also, they can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, stormtheplay. And then if someone wants to reach out specifically, they can do so at team at mytruecoloursproject.org. Again, that's team at mytruecoloursproject.org. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today about this incredible figure and this great show and sharing your memories. Just thank you so much. Thank you. I I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. My guest today has been the playwright of Stormy, Carolyn M. Brown who's been amazing. The show is amazing. You can listen to a previous interview with a performer, Dallas Diaz, by going back into our library. But more importantly, stay tuned by visiting stormtheplay.com for an upcoming reading in September, or just head to the Cubby Hole on June 28th, around 7 p.m., and go join them to celebrate and commemorate the start of the Stonewall Rebellion. They're going to be having great drinks, including one called The Punch. They're going to be having a raffle. You can say hi to Carolyn. Just go have a drink, raise it up in honor of Stormy and everyone who just started this great movement and stood up for love. June 28th at the Cubby Hole at 7 p.m. And then, like I said, stay tuned to stormytheplay.com for upcoming productions and more information about Stormy by Carolyn M. Brown. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is DJ by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.